Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Trisha, and today we are going to talk about food cravings. We're going to talk about the meaning and the ideology of any food cravings that you may be having. I talk to a lot of women who will express this this feeling like this craving that they have or this strong urge that they have for certain food items and they need to have the this food item in order for them to feel like the craving is like that they're able to quench it for a lot of women it ends up being like chocolate or cookies or brownies or something like that that's usually what people are craving and so typically it it you know, you'll continue to crave it until you get what it is that you actually are craving. And so we're going to talk about like some of this reasons why you're having a craving. Some of the ones that people will talk about often will be that maybe they have gone on a quote unquote diet and they've given up these foods, which they love, but then they end up having these cravings for them because they've cut it out completely. And sometimes people will talk about like that they're so stressed that the only thing that brings them um, like comfort is to be able to eat certain foods that they crave. So we're going to talk about like what are some of the what are some of the reasons behind these cravings, and it ends up being a, a complex. It's very complex the whole thing with cravings, but we're going to break it down into factors such as like physiologically what's happening in your body, psychologically what's happening in your mind, what's happening in the environment around you. And we'll talk briefly about evolutionary and genetic factors too. So when we talk about cravings and we're talking about physiologically what is happening in your body, one of the things that we've talked about on here before, but it's important to know, is that you have hormones in your body And the two hormones that are like that play the biggest role in terms of regulating your hunger and making you feel like you're full is this balance between leptin and ghrelin. And leptin and ghrelin are basically these two key hormones that play a significant role in regulating your appetite, your hunger, and your cravings in the human body. What tends to happen is that there is this interaction between ghrelin and leptin, and it's it's important to try to keep them balanced because that kind of helps keep the urges at bay, but the interaction between ghrelin and leptin is really essential for maintaining a balance between what you're eating and what you're expending in terms of energy. When this balance is disrupted, it often leads to overeating, weight gain, and then metabolic issues longer term. Some of the factors that affect um, leptin and ghrelin and cravings in particular are one of the more common ones is sleep. So if you are not sleeping that well and you overall are having poor sleep, well, this is going to result in a disruption or an imbalance in leptin and ghrelin. And it can lead to you having increased hunger and cravings. And I'm sure you know that because I'm sure you've been in a place where you haven't 
had a great night's sleep and then you wake up and you're like so tired you don't even care what the heck you're eating because your focus is just trying to maintain your sleep throughout the day or just to maintain your energy throughout the day because you're so sleep deprived. So knowing that getting adequate sleep helps maintain that leptin ghrelin balance so that it can kind of help keep your cravings in check. Another thing is stress. So stress in general will um, just really impact these hormones. And it, it just has an impact on your hormones that a lot of times can lead to emotional eating because you're trying to like find comfort and, and, and an end to the stress that you may be feeling. So things like stress management or, you know, just having a way or an outlet to manage the stress that you have because let's face it, we live in a really stressful world. So some of this is like trying to figure out a way to minimize the stress or to at least have a way that you know that you can go to that helps manage the stress when you're in kind of that stress response. Because it's the thing when you are undergoing stress, it's not just that you're having this imbalance with your hunger and fullness hormones, but you're releasing all these stress hormones. And then overall, if you're ending up having stress for the long term, it can lead to some chronic health issues because you have an increase in cortisol and increase in inflammation. And all of those things over the long term are associated with diseases. So stress management is something that we talk a lot about in here too, because it, in, it impacts everything in your life. It's not just um, it's not just your eating, it's it's everything. And so having an outlet that you feel like can at least calm you or provide you some comfort is always something that I would recommend because it's not just about eating, it's about your whole life. And a lot of times I feel like when we are having these like urges, it it it's very I believe it's very oversimplified and it's it's a very complex issue because life is complex. It's not that simple. And it's often not just one thing that's creating this imbalance in your hormones. It tends to be lots of different things because life is crazy. So maintaining or being able to have an outlet for your stress, whatever that looks like, is important. And it will also help you with any of the cravings that you feel like you are having a hard time getting control of. Meal composition is also something that helps with cravings or that can bring on cravings. Um, how the, the kinds of food that you eat can influence how ghrelin and leptin respond. And so you may notice that if you're somebody, and I think a lot of women do this, myself included, if I'm in a really place where I haven't slept well, or if I'm really stressed, then it's very easy for me to reach for something that is like a more carbohydrate rich food. And there's nothing wrong with carbohydrate rich foods. But what what tends to happen is that it ends up being a day full of carbohydrate rich foods. So that could be for me anyway, like maybe I'm eating like banana bread or I'm eating a muffin. And then for lunch, I'm kind of eating in that same thing where I'm just focused on eating all my carbs because that's what's giving me that sense of like, it's giving me my sense of comfort and maybe it's doing the same for you. But we know is that if you're able to put a little protein in those meals, so if you're able to have banana bread, then you mix it with something else that has protein or 
even adding fiber into what you're eating so that you're not just eating carbohydrate rich foods by itself, it can really help regulate these hormones and reduce that sense of cravings that you have. So I think it's important to remember that, especially if you're in a place that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm really stressed to to just kind of take into account what you're eating and what that composition of your meal looks like. And as much as you can during that time, try to have a little bit more balance so that you're having a little bit of your macronutrients. So your fat protein and your carbohydrates, again, we're not giving up carbohydrates, but that also you, if that's not working for you, making sure that you're putting a little fiber in there too, because that will help give you a sense of satiety and it will also probably help reduce the cravings that you're having. Um, Another one is dehydration. So I think dehydration is something that we all are prone to and a lot of times we mistake ourselves being hungry when we actually may be in fact just really thirsty because we are not taking enough fluid and that can also affect your um, and create an imbalance in your leptin and your leptin and ghrelin um, balance and affect an increase in cravings. So making sure that you're drinking enough water, that you have water with you. Um, notice that if you're peeing, that you can look at your urine. If it's bright yellow, you probably, and it's not related to any vitamins or anything that you're taking, that you're probably more on the dehydrated side and just kind of paying attention to what the color of your urine looks like. And it's about creating balance here too. It's not that you're overhydrating or underhydrating. It's that you can kind of get your sweet spot, which is going to really depend on what your urine output looks like. And so you don't want it to be overly clear and you don't want it to be overly dark. So you kind of want it to be somewhere in the middle. And then the last thing that we're going to talk about when it comes to, or actually not, when it comes to this idea of the hormones, yeah, the last thing we're talking about when it comes to hormones is this idea of meal timing, right? So meal timing also can have um, an impact on your hormones and your greptin and leptin levels. And it can also reduce the fluctuations and help contribute to cravings. So it's, it's, it's helpful to know that it's, you want to have the timing of your meals that you're not like having too much time in between your meals that you're not eating and then also not eating too close together either. So really understanding that these role of leptin and ghrelin when it comes to your hormones, they play a really big part and they can be influenced by things such as stress and and getting adequate sleep and you know staying hydrated and making sure that you are eating foods that have different compositions of food and then making sure you know that you're not going crazy in terms of the timing and we're going to talk a little bit more about timing in just a second when we talk about blood sugar regulations um one of the other things when we're talking about physiological um reasons why you may be having hunger and um, these urges could be a reward pathway. So you may have gotten into this place, which most of us have, and it's totally normal or abnormally normal for us. I don't know, but where you eat a certain food and it triggers this release of a dopamine and dopamine is this like neurotransmitter that 
gives us this feeling of like, it's like a reward and it gives us a sense of pleasure. And so we've created these times where perhaps you eat a certain food and that food is the one thing that gives you pleasure. And so a lot of times this ends up being a cycle of like seeking out foods that are really delicious and that tend to be higher calorie. And so one of the things is just to kind of know what that food is for you because there's nothing wrong with it. It just is, all of this is an information seeking session. It's all of this information is is meant to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I do that. Because once you kind of know why you're doing something, then it's a little bit easier to kind of dive into having a little bit more of a solution. If you don't know why you do it, then it's going to be really hard to change it. And so since this podcast is all about like exploring what makes you tick and what are some of the things that you do that are individualized to you, it's important to try to figure out what it is in order to figure out the solution. Because if you're just, you know, if your solution is just doing what somebody else has done to help with their cravings, but the ideology of why you're craving something is different than theirs, then it might not work. And then you're going to end up feeling like a failure or that something's wrong with you, but it just might be that your ideology of why you're craving something may be completely different than somebody else. So the solution isn't going to be the same. And so let's kind of figure this out, what it is that is causing this particular urge or craving for you. The last thing when we're talking about physiological is this blood sugar regulations. And so we know that fluctuations in blood sugar can lead to cravings for sugary or high carbohydrate foods, because these are the things that provide like quick energy, but in the long term may create like subsequent crashes in your energy levels. If you're somebody who's taking insulin, you have diabetes, you're going to know hundred percent what I'm talking about, because you may know when your blood sugar is really high and you may know when your blood sugar is really low and you become shaky and you need to eat something right now, or your blood sugar is is going to continue to to fall, which is really dangerous. So a lot of times, even if you don't have diabetes, you may not have eaten for a long time. You may have had too long between meals. And then by the time you actually get something to eat, you don't care what it is because you just need to get that in your body because you just feel terrible. And so making sure that you are planning your meals, that you're not going too long in between meals, I would say you know, three, four hours, make sure you kind of are eating in that window. Um, And again, that's going to vary for you. You may be able to do longer than that, but it's really important to start paying attention to what your body needs. And another thing that will help with this is also, like we talked about previously, is this meal composition. So trying to make sure that you seeing what you're eating, if it's just all carbohydrate, putting some protein, putting some fiber in there because the fiber will help and the protein too will help maintain your blood sugar so that you're not having that drop in your blood sugar so that you're not eating something and then you feel great for a couple minutes and then your blood sugar crashes. If you're able to have a mix of different kinds of food in there, it's going to help give you a little bit more of a sense of blood sugar stability so that you don't get that overwhelming crash and a decrease in your blood sugar and your energy levels. 
So these are all the things that are important when it comes to some of the physiological things that are happening in your body. We talked about hormones. We talked about the things that influence your hormones and then also the reward pathway like dopamine and then also making sure that you have some kind of blood sugar regulation. Next, we're going to talk about the psychology of some of the urges that you may be feeling. So a lot of times, a a lot of us, a lot of women, most women probably, have this tendency to use food to deal with emotions. And it can be any emotion, really. It can be that you're really excited. It can be happy emotions, and it can be negative emotions, too. It can be stress. It can be boredom. It can be whatever it is for you. And again, I think we all do it. So it's not like none of this is meant to like be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I do it. I think it's just normalizing that most people do it and trying to figure out a way that you can provide some kind of comfort to yourself that you can don't always use food as comfort. And that's the thing I think sometimes when people go on diets is that sure, you can eat a certain way, but if you're feeling that you have some emotions associated with whatever it is you're doing, then it's very hard to maintain those foods because often the hormones are bigger than, than you and the, the, like physiologically, all the things that are happening in your body put you in a place that make it very difficult to be able to stick to that meal plan. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I think that's probably why diets fail so much, um, is that the emotional eating component and that way of trying to find comfort is no joke. I mean, I'm the same way when I'm trying to find any kind of comfort. I don't even notice that I'm emotionally eating. And perhaps that's you too. But it's important to know that you're doing that behavior because then you can be like, okay, what is the emotion I'm feeling here? you can tease it out a little bit more so that you can A, start to figure out what the emotion is and then B, try to figure out a way that you can find some comfort in managing that emotion. Because chances are, unless you really deal with the underlying emotion, you're going to continue to do it. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just a signal to you that like, oh, okay, something bigger is going on. I'm feeling something that maybe I need to pay attention to. Um, There's also when we talk about some psychological factors, there's also this like conditioning thing that happens where you may have in the past had this experience where you find comfort in food and it might be like one particular food. So for me, it's like chocolate chip cookies. For you, it could be ice cream or it could be um, whatever it is for you. But it usually tends to be something that is a food that maybe you don't have all the time. And you associate this food with like either having a positive experience or something that makes you feel good. And then that usually leads to you craving it. So if you always have like ice cream at nighttime or after a really stressful day, then you're going to maybe have this urge that when you feel stressed at the end of the day that you want ice cream. Does that sound familiar? And that's because it's more of like a conditioning or a habit that has happened over time because you've been able to, it's kind of like what we just talked about, about that dopamine kind of pathway. And so you've conditioned your body to be like, 
you know, okay, if I eat ice cream, then this is going to make me feel better. And you're going to find comfort in that because it's going to release that dopamine response and you're going to, it's going to make you feel good for, for the moment anyway. Then there's cognitive factors like that can influence eating too. And this is just like, I think this one is probably a little bit more controllable in some ways. This is kind of like you eat portion sizes because you don't really know like what a portion size is, or maybe you are in your head like saying like, oh, I'm not eating that much, but you you probably know a little bit more that you are. And so I think this one is more like you're probably a little bit more aware of where some of the other ones, I think with our emotions, they tend to be a little bit more covered and we have to dig a little bit deeper to find the root where these cognitive factors maybe you kind of have an idea. Like it might be like that you're like, oh, I'm just having a little bit of this, but like deep down, you kind of know that you're having a little bit more. Um, It could be like when you go food shopping and you're buying a bag of Doritos and you're thinking, oh, this is for my my kid or my partner or whomever, but really you kind of know deep down that like it's really going to be for you. Or maybe you're in this place where you're like, all right, I had a really bad day at work today. So now I'm going to have Chinese food. So you're justifying it. So I think these kind of cognitive factors are a little bit more like you kind of have an understanding of what's going on. And if you were to like, it would be probably a little bit quicker for you to be able to break it down. Like, oh, I ate because of this. I just was feeling crappy and I felt like I deserved it. And so these are some of the the psychological, psychological things that impact our, our urges. Then we have the third big group, which is environment. And so environment is something that is probably, I don't even, I don't even know if environment is controllable because there, I don't know that it really is. Um, so first one we're going to talk about is food availability and how, how like much access you have to healthy food. And I think this can be really difficult because if you live in a food desert, it means that you don't have a lot of grocery stores. And so what you're going to have access to is going to be foods that are cheaper, that tends to be higher calorie and more processed. And those are the kind of foods that are very easy to overeat. Um, They're going to provide a lot more calories and a lot less nutrition for for just a, a huge amount of calories that you're going to get from it and for a very low cost. And so, you know, depending on where you live, you may live in a place where this is all you have access to. And I think overall, the environment that we live in today, there are way more places and way more conveniences that help promote this idea of like high calorie processed foods. And so it's just the overall environment where we live um, outside of our home. So inside of our home, it can be something different, but outside of our home, this is certainly something to, um, to take into consideration that will also probably lead to cravings and urges because of the way that the food is made. And there's just so many parts to the food, the smell of it, all of the things that science has, um, come up with to make us crave these delicious, like fast food, cheap food options that are readily available in our environment some environments more than others. So just kind of being aware that that might be contributing to some of the cravings that you may be having. Um, In terms of like overeating, knowing that like when you're going out to eat, your portion sizes are probably much bigger than 
you even know that they are. I think it makes it really hard to know what is indeed a, a real portion size because they have all been supersized in comparison to what is probably a, a real portion size. And especially when you go out to eat, knowing that you're not going to just probably get one portion, you're probably going to get multiple, multiple portions. And I think also it seems to be that the more like the cheaper the food is, the more of the food you're going to get, as opposed to if you go out somewhere and it's a really expensive dinner, you may or may not either get bigger portions or really small portions. So just knowing that like, you're in a situation where you could lead to overeating just because of the portion sizes that are served in the restaurant and the way that food in general is packaged today. And so that might be something that really may not affect your cravings and your urges, but it might be something that leads to overeating. And some of that has to do with like the urges, I guess, you know, the overeating is something that can be associated with having urges and cravings too. And then societal norms is the last thing that I want to talk about environment, like these social situations that you find yourself in. And in general, I think, especially in the U.S., uh, so much is dictated by food. And I, that might even be worldwide. I, I suspect that the kind of food is probably different. But in the U.S., I mean, and, and in most countries, I think there's this... Um, there's so much comfort and so much love in social gatherings. And so it's just kind of knowing that like there's different foods that you may crave because it may give you that sense of um, belonging and that sense of love that you feel when you're sitting down with your family and you're eating certain foods. And so those things like for me anyway, I think that they're probably a little bit less like like there are probably things that you probably want to eat and that you want to continue to do. So in my thoughts, I'm thinking of like holidays when you are, when maybe you don't eat all these foods, but you are with your family and these foods signify like comfort and love. And so if you're on a diet, you, you don't want to give up those foods. You want to be able to eat them because they mean something to you and that's perfectly fine. And so if you find yourself in a way that you're overeating, probably know that it's probably because you don't get these foods often and that it's okay to have what it is that's going to bring you that comfort, especially at this time of the year, because you don't do it all the time. And all of this is okay, really. Like whatever you're doing in terms of like finding comfort or finding, you know, whatever is happening with you. Again, it's just pointing out what it is that is unique to you so that you can figure out if it's something that needs to change or if it's something that you want to keep which is totally your decision. The last two things we're going to talk about is evolutionary factors and genetics. And I will, I don't have that much to say so much about these, but evolutionary factors, it's just this idea, which, you know, we all as humans have these survival instincts and we're wired to seek out foods that are very energy dense and the reason behind that is to be able to get these foods into our bodies so that we could um, have them available when there were times of scarcity or inability to get food. But as time has gone by, our environment is much different and we have much more abundance than perhaps we, let, we had in the past. And we don't really have, if we're lucky, because not every country is like this, but for more of the industrialized countries, you may be lucky enough to have a multitude of abundance 
And so the instinct is to overeat because you have that survival instinct happening in your body. But you probably don't need to anymore because you're not going to be going through a period where you have times of scarcity. Um, and and if, you are, if you do live in a place where there's famine, then this, of course, doesn't at all impact you. But if you're somebody who lives in a world where, or, or a country where there's a lot of abundance, this might be something that, you know, that is happening within your body, but it, you don't have to do this. You don't have to get to a place that you need to overeat. Um, because you're going to probably have periods where it's just all, all abundance and you're not going to have those periods of scarcity that you're, that you, that we all had to do as humans undergo in the past. And then the last thing is genetic predisposition. I feel like I hear a lot of people talk about how genetics plays a role in determining a person's cravings, obesity, and just their overeating in generals. And sure, we know that some individuals may be more genetically prone, but there's a lot of studies that are still under, like they're really still trying to figure out. And there's a lot of research going on about gene variants and what effects what effects they have on individuals and, um, and who they actually affect. And so that will continue to be, you know, go on probably for some time. But why I wanted to talk about that is because it's not like, I think there is some truth behind it. It's not just like calories in, calories out in terms of overeating and cravings and urges that you may have. Um, but just kind of know that there may be something that's happening to you, but also kind of give you encouragement that like, it doesn't mean that there's nothing you can do about it. What it means is this kind of like really trying to figure out if any of the other things are coming into play that are um, impacting that. And remembering that it's not about like, it, there are things, genetic factors that are going to play into all of our lives and trying to figure out what part of that, that that is within your control and what part of it isn't. And if you feel like you have some control, like, over your sleep and over what you're eating and the composition of the food and maintaining your hormones, maybe those things will be enough to kind of help you get to a place that you're able to kind of help at least maintain your weight or your urges or the cravings that you may have. And so in conclusion, just knowing that a lot of times we oversimplify this process of having food cravings and urges, but we know that it's much more complex than just um, than just, I have a food craving or I really want that thing. And all of this, especially when it comes to your health, is a discovery process. And it's a discovery process that only you can do because you know yourself better than anybody. And once you're able to get some understanding of why, like the, the ideology of what is happening within you and why it's happening, then you can start looking for a solution. And remembering that like health in general is not a one-size-all-fits solution. It's going to be very unique to you and very personalized to you. So as always, thank you so much for listening. I will see you back here next week. And don't forget if you're over 40 to grab the freebie about five things you can do now to maintain your health. And that is in the show notes. I will see you guys here next week. Have a great weekend.